Welcome to Crossing Over, a conversation where we look and listen with curiosity for God's presence in the stories of sacred scripture and in our own lives. I'm Sarah Nichols. And I'm Daniel Lucas. I'm excited about what we're talking about. Yeah. Not not to just dive in, but, you know, uh, I am excited for this one. Okay. I'm actually thinking, I was thinking, well, we're going to need more than one episode here. One conversation here. Oh, my. I bet you have some things to talk about, too. I probably do. I don't want to tussle for topics. Yeah. That'd be a good... There's always a chance that we... Start thinking of the same things. Mm. You don't think so? I don't know. You've gone someplace real weird. Maybe. (laughs) All right, let's dive in. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. So should we start at 2-1? Just because? Yeah. I mean, we talked about it already, but... Right? But we didn't go into super... Yeah. We we got into it so that we could say we got to chapter 2 last week. That's right. I think... um, I think one of the things that we can do that can be really helpful is be reviewed. Right? Like, okay, where were we? You want to recap us previously? Oh, go okay. Uh, what did we talk about previously? Well, what's the um, story? That's yeah. all. I, that's okay. what I'm thinking of. Like, what did we? Um, how do we get here? Yeah, I almost went backwards. We're um, sorry for context. In I'm, the beginning, I'm, God created the heavens and the I earth. I have my Hebrew <laughs> version of the Bible in front of me, and it's. I'm gonna, reads right I'm to edit left. it all out. Okay, good. Yeah. Okay, perfect. I edit out all the things that make us sound stupid. Okay. <laughs> Which is so much. But I'm going to leave that phrase in. Okay. Um, so we're in Ruth, and we've gotten as far as chapter two <laughs> in three weeks. Um, but so far, we've had Naomi and her family have left the promised land and the house of bread in order to um, go to Moab because there was a famine in the promised land and there her sons have been married. Her sons that are named sickness and destruction, uh, get married to Ruth and Orpah. And then, uh, her husband, Naomi's husband, Elimelech and her sons all die while they're in Moab. And then, um, from there, Ruth hears that the famine is over in the promised land and decides that she is going to return home to Bethlehem and her daughters-in-law want to go with her. Um, but then eventually she talks Orpah into returning to her family. Um, but Ruth is not dissuaded and continues to go. And so they, um, where we find them in chapter 2 is that Naomi and Ruth have arrived back in Bethlehem and um, been greeted. And Naomi has called herself bitter. Um, and now we're moving into a different phase of the story where they are in the land once again. Boom. Boom. So we're in Bethlehem. We're back. Yep. We've returned. They've returned. Um, should we read? Yeah. Now Naomi had a kinsman on her husband's side, a man of substance of the family of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, I would like to go to the fields and glean among the ears of grain behind someone who may show me kindness. Yes, daughter, go, she replied, and off she went. She came and gleaned in a field behind the reapers, and, as luck would have it, it was the piece of land belonging to Boaz, who was of Elimelech's family. Presently, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem. He greeted the reapers. The Lord be with you. 
And they responded, The Lord bless you. Boaz said to the servant who was in charge of the reapers, Whose girl is that? The servant in charge of the reapers replied, She is a Moabite girl who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the reapers. She has been on her feet ever since she came this morning. She has rested but a little in the hut. Boaz said to Ruth, Listen to me, daughter. Don't go glean in another field. Don't go elsewhere, but stay here close to my girls. Keep your eyes on the field they are reaping and follow them. I have ordered the men not to molest you, and when you are thirsty, go to the jars and drink some of the water that the men have drawn. I think that's a good place to stop. I'm guessing we won't get farther than that. Yeah. What do you got? Um, I, I want to hear what you have because you were really excited. Well, the first thing that really pops up for me, I'm skipping verse one. Yep. Yeah. So I love that we have Ruth here. Ruth the Moabite, which the text continues to remind mm-hmm. us, right? Ruth the Moabite is demonstrating Torah. She's obedient. She's shemaing yeah. to the word of God, to the way. Yeah. Um, she's shemaing. <laughs> she's her, her, uh, her listening to the to the way to the word is um, surprising because this stuff got skipped so much. The you know the laws of mercy with the gleaning and the. Um, <clears throat> The jubilee and the like, all of that stuff. Yeah. So, so like, she's demonstrating she's shamaing to Torah. Yeah. And I just, I think that's fascinating to see her starting there. And the question we don't have the answer to is, how does she know this? Yeah. Like, perhaps she was told. There's so much. There's so much that like, um, there's so many details we don't have here. Right. That we get to fill in the blanks. And or we or we have to or we can or we have to imagine that there are multiple ways to come to this point. Right. Right. So there and maybe that's like I think that's part of how sacred texts work. There's multiple ways we can come to a place where we are listening to the voice of God in our life. Yeah. And sometimes it's because we grew up in a household where that was modeled for us. Um, and sometimes it's because you are uh, Samuel and you have a dream in the night and you go you hear the voice of the Lord calling your name and you know, there's and everything in between. And I suppose even in that instance, Samuel still needs some help. He's like, you called me uh, to eat. Right. Yeah. So I just, I think that's fascinating that here she is being, she's shamaing. She's yeah. listening. She's doing, she's listening. There's, um, <laughs> that makes me want to skip ahead. Um, there's so many things in this little chunk that just confirm that. Mm-hmm. I noticed that too, that um, even one of the things that they keep, so I'm going to skip ahead to verse six, that when the, when the worker is talking to Boaz and says she's a Moabite woman who has come back, that shuv, which we talked heavily yeah. about in previous episodes, she shuved with Naomi from the plain of Moab. And that choice to translate it, come back, makes it sound like she's she's returning to a place but she's not returning she's never been there this is new for her but if you think about shuving not strictly meaning returning or to come back but a turning sure towards god um then there's this way that she has shuved she hasn't returned to bethlehem she hasn't come back to bethlehem 
she's never been there before, but she has shoved or turned towards God and towards Bethlehem, towards this promised land, towards this place. So I feel like that lines up with what you were saying about her knowing the Torah, her being familiar with it. How is a great question. um, But regardless of the how, she's there now, which means she has she has turned to God in that way. And there's, um, should we just skip around and talk about this a little bit? And then we can always, okay. When Boaz then turns to her and says, well, he says, have you not heard? Yeah. Where are you? This is verse eight, I believe. Um, I was looking at that and have, it's in the like perfect tense, the herd. So, like, she has heard, but there is a question ahead of it. So, um, I'm not really, I mean, all the translators seem to think, to put it, pose it as a question because it says not and then heard, but the heard part is in the present tense. So, it's not. Um, where, yeah, where? sorry. It might be verse nine because there's, no, I've got it verse eight. Boaz said to Ruth, Yep. Listen to me. Yep. So, like, this, that translation, listen to me, makes it sound like it's an imperative. Like, you, um, like, please listen to me, but it's better that like, have you not already heard? You already know, which that reminds me mm-hmm. so much of the rest of scripture, the importance of hearing. You mentioned this, the word is Shema, uh, Shema um, in Hebrew, that to listen is the most important thing, even in the hero Israel, the Lord, your God, the Lord is one. The first thing that you're supposed to do is to hear and listen to God. Because if we hear and listen to God, then out of that flows love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul, your strength. And then Jesus adds to it to love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. Which wow. this is such a great example of loving your neighbor as yourself. I I mean, here again, bumps into the, the question with the translations. Mm-hmm. Where it literally should be uh, right, it's no completed listen, right? Right. Have you have you not heard? Have you not like, heard? Like heard no? Yeah. You've Oh wow. I mean my translation doesn't have no. Does Fox? Do you have Fox with you? I don't because I don't have Fox's well, version Fox of Fox doesn't do Ruth. He doesn't have Ruth done. Yeah. I really hope he does someday. Maybe he has and I just don't have access to it. I don't he, know. Yeah, I don't think so. Okay. Um but it's honestly when you just for whatever reason I just heard this when you said it. I think the value of hearing other people read the things that you're reading. Doesn't Jesus do that all the time? Have you not heard? Mm-hmm. Or you've heard it said, but I tell you, like he I yeah, anyway. I he's presuming I feel like Boaz is presuming that she already knows this in her heart. And this has just posed a question to you. And because, of course, she hasn't heard it already. That she's not supposed to glean in another field. Like, he's just telling her now. So I feel like there's something in it that, like, Boaz is recognizing what you were recognizing in her. That she already, like, she knows the Torah somehow. And she's abiding by it perhaps better than the people of the land. Yeah. But then the other piece, I'm going to keep going. 
He says, don't go glean in a field and also do not pass on from here. That's Ivry, which means to cross over. Hmm. And um, I don't think we've covered this before in one of our podcasts, but um, that's where the word Hebrew comes from. So to be a Hebrew person is to be an Ivry or someone who crosses over. And he's telling her not to cross away from here, which means she's already crossed over. She's already Hebrewed. She already is one of them. Yeah. Don't leave my, f- don't, don't go. Sometimes you shouldn't leave. Yeah. Sometimes you, you, you can cross over from death to life and you can cross over from life to death. Right. And essentially, I feel like this is him acknowledging like she's crossed over into being a Hebrew, even though they keep calling her a Moabite. She has crossed over into being a Hebrew and he's telling her to not cross back. So th- that so sometimes I get a little finicky here, mm-hmm. and I usually don't say anything, um, because I, because what somebody's saying is ultimately true, and to get finicky is to like poke and prod. Sure. But in the interest of assuming somebody listening is getting finicky, right? Like these words function both on a like a practical level, telling us what a person's doing, and then they're also talking about what's happening inside right like there's an yeah. inside and an outside here yeah it's and so layered say again it's layered yeah <clears throat> and i think i think it's okay to to recognize that sometimes somebody's gonna see an inner meaning that you don't see sure um and that doesn't mean it's they're wrong it just means it's not what you see yeah you know I, it i think uh, like reading scripture and art go hand in hand mm-hmm. and what uh, what each person encounters when they look at art is going to be different yeah. based on each person or even if you think like zoom way far back and you think about like a book or a poem or anything right like what you see will depend on who you are where you are where you've been where you're going yeah so like I heard that and I was like, yeah, but that's not talking about crossing. He's not talking about he- the spiritual version of Hebrewing. But I think that that's not true. <laughs> Sorry, am I making sense? I'm getting the look on you like yeah, you don't know what no. I'm Okay. I, no, I'm just curious where you're what you're seeing in it. Um I think what he's what I what I'm seeing here is Boaz being deeply protective. Sure. I see Boaz guarding her, keeping mm-hmm. her, protecting her. I see Hased, I see I see these two human beings um, as beautiful pictures of the divine love. Because Ruth is out there taking care of Naomi. Yeah. She right, she's doing what the son she's doing what a son would do. Yeah. She's out there working. She's out there gathering. She gathers, you know, it's like thirty some liters and of yeah. of grain and then she she you know beats the seeds out and threshes it and all that right well and the worker has said she's been basically on her feet all day she's all hardly day. rested yeah right so so i see um boaz saying don't leave this place don't leave my protection don't hedge out and that's actually what he says to her at the end i think we didn't read it yeah um but in verse 10, she prostrates herself. A- after all of this stuff, right, she falls down before him, her face to the ground, and says, why are you being so kind to single me out? I'm a foreigner. 
And Boaz says in reply, I've been told of all you did for your mother-in-law after the death of your husband, how you left your father and your mother and the land of your birth and came to the people you had not known before. May the Lord reward your deeds. May you have full recompense from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have sought refuge. So, right, I I feel like he's saying, listen, you've sought refuge under the wings of the Lord. And guess what? I mean, listen, I'm going to jump from there and I'm going to use some... um, I'm going to use some Christian language that, <clears throat> well, I'm the body of Christ. Like it's, yeah. I am, right, we're a nation of priests that are sent into the world. That's the better language to, to use here, not like jump ahead into the story. But, right, our job is mm-hmm. to be um, is to be light, love, um, priesting people in the world. We're for the sake of the world. We are blessed to be a blessing, and that's what we have like Boaz Boaz doing here. Yeah. And to, to back up just a smidge... How does Boaz know? When has Boaz been told of all that? Like, where do you get all these details from? It's not in the text. So we assume that Boaz hears this from the worker and it's left out of the conversation. Or Boaz knew and, you know, oh, you're Ruth. I think back, though, that like last week, the the town was astir with the fact that Naomi had returned. So it seems like it's reasonable that everyone in the town is kind of talking about. Sure about this and it's been told the story is circulating in the town sure so maybe when he well, says who is this he puts a face with a name yeah he's looking for confirmation mm-hmm. that this is the woman he's been hearing about maybe yeah. and i for what it's worth i i 100 percent with agree with you so i think yeah. there is like there is something going on on the surface and i think there are there are these little keywords that mm-hmm. trigger us to see that like that oh. there's both a physical realm of what's happening and there's a spiritual realm of what's happening and going on and like both are happening simultaneously right and they're both connected they're connective tissues yeah where what's happening in the visible is referencing like boaz's actions towards ruth and naomi yeah represent internal right stuff for him right he's seeing what she's doing on one level and on the next level down that like you are not only doing this, but this shows that you are, you have truly Hmm. become one of us. You, you know, our words, you know, the Torah, you know, you know what God has asked Hmm. of us. I love it. And there's almost this moment of like, do we know it the way you know it? And Boaz is showing that he does and he recognizes it in her. Hmm. So good. So fun. All right. What else? Man, um, I don't know. Did you have something else that you want to do? Oh, I got a ton. So, okay, let's go. Well, so I mean, like gleaning and reaping. It's 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 compassion built into society. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's the it's the extras that you dropped. Don't go back. And get them, and leave them for the poor and the destitute. Right. And I think it's beautiful because it's not a handout. <laughs> like all the stuff Ruth is picking up. Yep. She's got to do something with it. She still has to, you know, beat the grains out and like remove the chaff and then grind it up to make a flour. Like there are layers of things here. And I just love though that the 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 path here is like listen. There's a way even when you're at the bottom for society to take care of itself. Right. And it's for the widow, it's for the foreigner, it's for the orphan, it's for the outsiders, it's for those without a way. It's a way. Yeah. And 
I don't know. I just think of the Syrophoenician woman. Even the dogs get the get the crumbs from your from your table. Yeah. And I've always heard that as a like a um It sounds derogatory. Yeah, it's yeah. disrespectful, it sounds derogatory. And I think there's a lot going on there. I don't think Jesus looks at her as less than. I mean, duh. Maybe right. I shouldn't have to say that, but probably Yeah. Probably do. Um but it's sort of like, oh, the ge- e- like you even care for those that that can't care for themselves. Even there's even crumbs at the table. Yeah, I think there's a bit of it, like that. There's <clears throat> there's crumbs for dogs. Mm-hmm. Like instead of it being derogatory, it's like a, ma- a way of saying, uh-huh. if there's crumbs for dogs, sure, there's crumbs for you. Yeah, like there's great. more for you, right? Even because you're not a dog. Yeah. And you know we love dogs. Though we do. Uh, okay, four, verse four. Sorry. Yeah, I, no, go. Uh, so the Lord be with you. Yeah. Um, and then they respond, May the, the Lord, Lord bless, bless you. you. Th- I mean, this is, this is still in the various liturgies, and really in all the traditions that have a formed, a more formed, a more mm-hmm. prescribed path for coming to the table for Eucharist, for communion, the last Lord's Supper, the last supper, whatever. Um, there's, this is usually at the beginning. And when we started doing this, <clears throat> there were some people that were concerned about it or confused, or it had some baggage for them because it felt Catholic. And by that, I think what they meant is it felt like something they grew up with or in that was just words with no meaning. Right. And so what we talked about for a month or so or two and still talk about now is like, what better thing can we wish for each other than this? Like, if I'm going to say to you, the Lord be with you, is there a, is there a better, there are other good things I can, I can say I want for you, but is there anything better than saying, you know, I, I want the Lord's presence for you. That's what I want for you. Right. Yeah. It only becomes meaningless if we let it become meaningless. Mm-hmm. You know, or if we raise our kids to be meaningless. Wait, say that again. Like, if if we aren't, if we're growing our children up in a church and we're not discussing this and not telling them what it really means, so we're just performing it, it becomes meaningless because they don't know what it means. And then they grow up and then they pass it on to their kids and it just becomes something you do because this is what you do. This is what you say. When someone says, may the Lord be with you, and you say, and also with you, or may the Lord bless you, you just, it becomes a part of, hey, how are you doing? Great. Can I ask you and a question? You say that whether you mean it or not, right? Yeah. So it, we need to, we need to be teaching what it means so that it keeps its meaning. Yeah. And churches that do that well, mm-hmm. it's not meaningless. I fully, I fully agree. Yeah. But I, mm-hmm. but I have a, but I have a question. Yeah, go for it. So why are the words on their face not enough to, are they, un, are the words unclear? Um, like, do you have any insight? Could, uh, let me, let yeah. me rewind and make sure I'm yeah. being clear. I agree with you 100% that, that it seems really important to remind us of what we're doing 
and its meaning and to, to be attaching that. That seems to be really important. Um, why? Be- because when I like think about the, even these words right here, the Lord be with you, the Lord bless you, it seems so clear. It's not like a, like a, it's not jargon. No. You know, why do you think it is that we need to ex- explain it when it's not jargon? Am I making sense? Yeah. I think, I think it just comes down to the fact that it can just become a greeting. That we just don't think about the words. It becomes as, as much a part of just walking into a church and saying this as saying, hello, how are you? I'm okay. I'm good. Even though we don't mean we're good. We just, it's, we just have this way of greeting where we just do this little back and forth exchange and we don't actually mean it. You just do it to be polite. And this can become that if we don't think about the words. I'm so glad you said that. I'm glad that's your answer. Yeah. Because that's my, that's how, like, that's what I think. I think the problem here isn't that the words are unclear. Correct. Um, I think the problem is we live completely, sorry, we, how we are formed in a first world consumer society where we have microwavable food and Amazon and phones and all of the things, we live in a world where we're we're rarely present to where we are. And I think there's a lack of presence. I don't know how much, but there's a lack of presence in our words. Um, which to me is a fascinating thing to just think about. Like we're not even present in the words we're saying, or we're not fully present in the words we're saying. Um, We're not talking about, we're not thinking about, we're not present to the things we're like, we live in two spaces. I'll be thinking about something, but having a conversation about something else completely, or I'll be preoccupied. Um, Yeah. I think that's, I think that's why. And I think that's why stopping to talk about it, helps it's not that you're giving people oh i didn't i never thought about that right like it's duh i know that i know what that means duh it's just that we're stopping and we're going hey what are we talking about again right and and even just a remember remember what this means remember that there's meaning behind it we don't just do this as a greeting yeah i mean what a beautiful thing for um Boaz, he appears from the house of bread and he greets the people who are out there reaping, right? Yeah. Here's here's a, a landowner, someone yeah. with much who's coming to greet his his employees yeah. or his workers or the people that, that he's responsible to and that are responsible to him. That's right. There's a mutuality here and his greeting to them is the Lord be with you. Yeah. I just think that's beautiful. And their and their response is the Lord bless you. And I want to believe that it's not just words. Um, but that everything we see from Boaz shows that he actually means it. Right. And they do as well. I think there's just we tend to think of the landowners or the the employers of being the bad guy um because so often in our society they actually are. Yeah. But not all of them are. Like some of them are like a Boaz where they actually are really deeply care about their workers. And um, this is that rare picture of hmm. the employer who is kind and generous to his employees and they see it and they wish good on back on him um, because out of his blessing, he blesses others and everyone benefits when he does well because he's so generous with his, with what he has. 
Hmm. If only. Well, and <clears throat> right here with these words between Boaz and the and his, his the reapers, um, is that really what it is? Yeah, the reapers. Or workers works, right? Too. I like reapers. That's awesome. <laughs> reminds me of like the Grim Reapers. I feel like they're has this weird like sickles in their hand. <laughs> <laughs> they might. They're like cutting down wheat. They probably do have this. Right. Uh, so then also to this conversation takes us to number six. Harvesters could be a, also a word. Listen, you say harvest, I say reaper. Yeah. The reapers. Uh, this takes us to number six. Yeah. This takes us to the um, the ironic blessing, the ironic, the priestly blessing. Yes. And um, and here, who's who's the who's priesting in this moment? Who's the the workers? The reapers are doing it yeah. right. The, the, the they're the ones. The Lord bless you. Um. It's beautiful. I mean, yeah. like that's our call. That's our invitation is to be the image of God to each other. Yeah. And I love that we see Boaz behaving in a priestly way here. And and by that, I just write like your nation of priests. It's this way in which all of the people everywhere were called and invited to bear God in the world that they're living in. Yeah. And we have Boaz doing this to, to Ruth and Naomi, to his, to his workers. Um, and then we have the workers, the reapers doing it right back. Right. And where are we? Or where are we roughly? The house of bread. Right. There's enough. There's abundance. Yeah. There, and because there's goodness and there's generosity because the, because the image of God is being honored between and in and among them. Yeah. At least that's what it sounds like. Yeah. This, it feels like this is an idyllic uh, picture of this moment in time where, at least in this town of Bethlehem, things were operating as God intended. Hmm. Maybe not completely, but pretty dang close. What if we said in this household or between, yes. or between sure. these people we're seeing? Yeah. 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 We're seeing a picture of what the Torah looks like lived out when people actually participate and do what is being asked. So, and uh, everyone is cared for, including the foreigner, the outsider, the widow, the orphan. There's room in the house of bread for everybody. Yeah. When Mary and Joseph in Luke bring Jesus, uh, they, they they bring um, some offerings to the temple. They can't afford. They bring the offering of the poor. Mm-hmm. They bring the pigeon, uh, the dove. Yeah. Um. So, so it's an interesting. I think we think about it. Oh, it's cheaper to buy chicken than it is to buy steak. Yeah. So they get they get to just go. By the cheap thing, the less expensive thing, um, and that might exist. Um, I don't, I don't quite understand how the temple was working at that point, and if you could buy everything there or buy a few things. I also don't know how I feel about that. Um, it's complicated, right? Like, it's easier to just bring your cash and buy it there at the temple, but, but I think about the effort. Sure. Um, and I think about how uh, there are pigeons and doves everywhere in the old city of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. They are everywhere. I, I've watched. I watched cats just wait until a pigeon. I mean, I've uh, right. Like you stand around and you watch long enough, you'll mm-hmm. see it. Yeah. And um, 
thinking about how anybody has the ability with some effort to catch a pigeon in the old city. And I wonder if that's where it comes from, right? It's it's not, it's like Ruth. Ruth is, Ruth and Naomi are, they're, they're impoverished, they're poor. They don't have any means about them. But Ruth can still go out and glean. Right. She can still go, like she can apply herself and, and her, her lack of resources in and of itself isn't going to keep her um, destitute. Right. So thinking about like the pigeon like that, right? Like there's all these ways in which God's way, God makes room for anyone and everyone to come. Where with a little bit of effort, you can catch a pigeon. With a little bit of effort, you can get the thing that you need to bring it. It was never about um, keeping you out. It was never about trying to um, exclude people. It was about having something for us to do, to bring, so that there's a thing, okay, there's a thing to embed meaning into. Yeah. It was actually about including people. Mm -hmm. Because if you only accept this one kind of sacrifice that the poor can't afford, they are then excluded because right. they can't participate if they can't afford it. Whereas there's a provision for them that if anyone can catch a pigeon in the city with just a little bit of ingenuity and work and effort, then everyone gets to participate. Right. And if you don't have ingenuity, you, you can't, uh, sorry, if you don't have the ability to, to do the effort, right? If there's something that keeps you from that, you can ask for help. Right. Hey, listen, little boy, <laughs> could <laughs> help you help me catch a pigeon? Right. Could you catch this for me? Right. It's, I mean, right, and we know, we hear in the prophetic critique, the psalmist critique, that God's not hungry, right? These sacrifices, and that's even evident in the, like, in how Leviticus lays it out, right? This is not, this is not because God's hungry. Right. This is, there's something else happening within this, this yeah. thing that's not quite what you think it is. Right. We could, well, we may get to Leviticus at yeah, some sorry. point, but no, it's, the more I've studied Leviticus and the sacrificial system, the more I've come to love God and appreciate what he's doing. Because it's, it's very clear that it's about drawing near to him more so than anything else. We, right. And drawing near to him with each other. Yeah. The Jer- Jerusalem in, uh, in during Pesach, during uh, Passover, Holy Week, whatever, the whole town smells like a barbecue. I mean, it is, you're walking through the park and they're, every family is grilling in the park together. They're all together and they're all eating together and they're sharing a meal. And it's like, well, of course that's what's going to happen when all the pilgrims come up to Jerusalem. When we when they ascend, they're going to spend time with each other, eating together, laughing, um, sitting around a fire. Like, right, duh. We think it's this like somber. Okay, we've gone. <laughs> we Her? we went from Moab to Bethlehem. Now we're in Jerusalem. Yeah. Sorry, back to Bethlehem. <laughs> back to Bethlehem. I'm 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 turning into a big Boaz fan. I'm gonna try to find a Boaz icon now. <laughs> uh, listen to me, daughter. Yeah. Don't go glean in another field. Don't go elsewhere, but stay here close. To my, to my girls, keep your eyes on the field they are reaping and follow them. I have ordered the men to not molest you. When you are thirsty, go to the dark jars and drink some of the water that they have drawn. Uh, Isaiah 55, 
Oh, come to the waters, all you uh, who are thirsty, come by, drink. Why would you spend your money on that which does not satisfy you, of, what, of that which does not complete you? Or um, Jesus in Matthew 11, 12, 11, mm-hmm. come to me, all of you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn. Like, Boaz is, is, the, is you know, um, Isaiah and Christ, like, the, he, like, there's a foundation here. Like, listen listen to me. And that's actually how the Isaiah passage ends. The Isaiah passage ends with, you know, listen to me, listen to my words and find life. Yeah. And that's what he's doing here. He's telling her how to stay alive, how to stay well, how to stay safe. And he's saying, uh, <clears throat> don't go chasing waterfalls. <laughs> you can stick to these, these fields that you're used to. Mm-hmm. Sorry. <laughs> You're welcome. Yes. We have to get a reference from <laughs> our childhood or teen years in there somewhere every time, don't we? And I love that it's daughter language here, not son, right? Like so much in scripture, it's it's male, you know, and whatever. Well, for me, I mean, I know that doesn't mean God's a man, and I know that doesn't mean that that God's only interested in the males. Right. However, I do know that that's how it's been pushed by maybe more than just some people maybe for more. a long time. But it's so refreshing and fun. It makes me smile here to hear, like, listen to me, daughter. Don't go stay with, stay close to my girls. Right. Like, oh. There's, it's so fun the way that, like, Boaz's sentence here just, like, grabs onto so many things that have already been touched on. Like, there's all these words that are reused, like... In verse 3, Naomi says to Ruth, and she says to her, go, my daughter. And then it's like sandwiching this. Boaz is also recognizing her as daughter, um, which maybe sounds a little creepy when we know what happens later. But it's um, he's recognizing her as a daughter of Naomi and a daughter of his family, someone in his uh, who falls under his protection. So he says, daughter, go, do not go after Naomi had told her, daughter, go, go to Boaz. And now Boaz is saying, don't go from me. Hmm. Like I've accepted you. You have space here. Um, and that word, when he says, stay with my, my young women or whatever, that's the word cling. Ah. It's the same word that she, that is used to how Ruth clings to Naomi. So she has clung to Naomi and now she's supposed to cling to Boaz's house in this way um like just these these words are being reused throughout the um throughout the text all of it very thematic and i don't know if you caught the bit on the well but no so when he says should you be thirsty you shall not should you you shall go to the pitchers and drink from what the lads drew from the well so what it, wells in a scripture have been pretty important. Yeah. What happens at wells? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's where a lot of fateful meetings occur. What kind of fateful meetings? Well, usually of the of the marriage kind. Yeah. Right. I mean, Isaiah and Rebecca. Uh. No, Isaac. Rebecca. Isaac, Isaiah. 
I got Isaiah on the brain. Isaac yeah. and Rebecca, um, Moses and Zipporah. Yeah. Uh, who else? Uh, Jacob and Rachel. Ah, that's right. Jacob fleeing. Yeah. Yeah. And then <clears throat> in all those cases, oh. So in all those cases, who's drawing the water for whom? The woman's drawing the woman is drawing the water here. Yeah. We have essentially the man drawing the woman water. Yeah. It's and, flipped. And then John four sounds different then because because when Jesus is at the well with the woman, uh what are the what's her uh Fotini is her name in, in tradition, mm-hmm. but you know. Uh Jesus says, I'm thirsty, give me a give me a drink, right? Mm-hmm. And and she says, How can what happens there? Well now I have to edit this. I don't I got like, I don't have a new testament. Yeah, the Samaritan woman comes to draw water. Jesus says to her, Give me a drink. So this is normal. Yep. Right? Okay, so then so then it Moves us, it bring right, like it, it elicits John 4, where Jesus, uh, Fotini, he meets Fotini, that's her name in the, in the tradition, but the Samaritan woman, and, and, and keeping with, like, how the cultural norm, uh, Jesus says to her, give me a drink, because uh, that's how it worked, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and then she says, how can you ask me for a drink? And she says, and Jesus says, listen, if you knew the gift of God, you'd ask me to give you drink and I would have given you living water. And the woman says, <laughs> you don't have a bucket. You don't got a bucket, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and here we have Jesus offering her water. We have Jesus saying, listen, I will give you water that yeah. will turn you into a spring. Yep. Uh, so we have even here, uh, in Ruth, we we have uh, that being played out where the the social norm is reversed, yep. and it's reversed in a deeply uh, healing, salvific. What a big word! Healing, salvation, rescue, save, restore, mm-hmm. heal way. Right? It, we yep. have it in the keeping, loving. But what what does it have in uh, what does it have in common with all those other well stories though that like so in all those stories where it's I think it's not Isaac himself it's Isaac's servant right that meets Rebecca but where what is he doing he's left his land so he's a foreigner he's the traveler oh. Jacob is the foreigner the traveler Moses is the foreigner the traveler coming in Boom. and here Ruth is the foreigner traveler. So it's the it's the hospitality of the people that are receiving the person that remains unchanged. It's just the genders are flip flopped. Wow. Wow. So when we're dropping into this moment here, right, where we're, we're in Ruth two one through eleven twelve thirteen twelve one through tw- one th- when we're dropping into Ruth one through twelve, we find ourselves dropping into. Um, a conversation about about 
I mean, duh, but about what does it mean to show hospitality? What does it mean to be shown hospitality? What does it mean to to give loyal love, chesed? What does it mean to receive loyal love? What does it mean to do that when um, other people aren't necessarily doing that? Mm-hmm. For a variety of reasons, right? Like no, 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 no aspersions cast on Orpa or um, you, you know the other folks here. Recognizing that all of this is taking place in a real world where there are real problems. Like, hey, listen, Ruth, don't go gleaning somewhere else. Stay here. You're you're safe. And I've also instructed like no one shall harm you. No one shall touch you. Right. Right. Like all of these. And the, and the conversation is, you know, it's stacking up or it's hyperlinking or it's tendriling out to where we've got all of these ways in which the stories are a foreigner, a well, um, cleaving, connecting, you know, like deep relationships, marriage in a lot of the well stories. Yep. Even reaching out to, to how Jesus interacts with the Samaritan woman, another outsider, yep. um, except in this story, he's the, he's in the, he's in the foreign land. He's not where he's supposed to be. Yeah. Though they kind of, they both are in that sense because like the Samaritans are made to feel like they uh, don't belong in the land even though like they've lived there. Right. And she's an outcast from the land she's from anyways. Yes. Right. So in that sense, they're like, they're kind of both foreigners coming to this well. Sometimes it's, I have conversations, sorry, go yeah, ahead. No, go ahead. I was like, sometimes I have conversations about scripture and I'm like, man, I can't wait to um, let this conversation sink in. So the next time I talk about this, like I almost want to talk about this passage again next week. <laughs> Not a, we don't need to do that, but right. Like this is one of those ones where I'm, I don't know that I'll ever read Ruth the same way again. Yeah. I hope not. I mean, there's reapers and then he tells her to not chase waterfalls. <laughs> I just, I think it's so beautiful the way that this, um, this particular story and the way it's told just hyperlinks to all these different places, um, both forward and backwards. And Jesus has to have this in mind when he's meeting with the Samaritan woman at the well. Like, I think just the way these well stories work and how prominent they are that Jesus is going to be. Like, I'm at a well. Where am I? I'm at Isaac and Rebecca. I'm at Jacob and Leah. I'm at Moses and Sephora. I'm at Boaz and Ruth. I'm at, like, all these places. And because he's Jesus, he's, like, he doesn't need years of study. I mean, he has studied the text, but it's just all there for him in this way that takes us a lot to parse out. Well, maybe it's all there. I've wondered about this. Like, um, uh, maybe presence is the thing to think about here. Mm-hmm. Like, if we rewind back a little bit to the, the conversation we had about why words don't often have their, even if they're, like, um, why it's difficult for us when words bring their own meaning with them for us to disconnect, right? For us to not be present to the words we're saying. And what if we thought about Jesus, who is the presence of God among us? You know, maybe one of the things that describes him is that he's so pre- he's he's present in everywhere, everything. Mm-hmm. Like everything has his full attention, right? And 
So I, um, I, uh, I, these conversations are among my favorite things in my life, and reading scripture with friends uh, is amongst my favorite things in life. And um, I frequently think of the warning. I think it's a warning in John's gospel. I think it's a warning, a caution to us, to me. I don't know. Maybe it's not to anybody else. But when Jesus says to the Pharisees, you diligently seek the scriptures because you think that in them you find find life. Mm-hmm. And I, lo- I love that honor there that Jesus gives them. Like he's t- saying like, listen, you are diligent. You are attending to, to, to the way, to the Torah. Mm-hmm. But the, there's a gap, Jesus is saying. Because while you're diligently studying, reading scripture, thinking about these things with your, in, your, in your heart and amongst yourselves, um, it's not creating divine life within you. It's not there's something missing, right? Like in that case, it's that they, he's, Jesus says, listen, I'm before, you don't even, life is before you and you don't recognize it. And so I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking about all these conversations and I'm thinking about how is it that we, how is it that we translate, how is it that these conversations transform us so that our lives are different? Yeah. So I don't know why I'm thinking about this today, but I'm wondering how does that work for you? <laughs> Yikes, that's a hard thing to answer. Or maybe not. How does it work? What does it look like? Yeah. Or, or maybe even more to the point, is there stuff like what in today, what in what we've read and talked about today, or maybe in any of the other conversations, are you are you still wrestling with, or are you thinking about, or are you know that has like taken root in your life? Yeah. I think for me, um, this has been going on for a long time, but this reading Ruth just kind of just continues to drive the point home for me. Um, But even having grown up Christian in in those circles, there was this general underlying belief that like God helps those who help themselves type thing. Um, One of those things that, gets spread and right. <laughs> believed in certain, certain circles that, um, is nowhere in the Bible. Um, and yet it was a belief that I had because of the way that I was raised culturally and stuff. And the more I've read scripture, the more abundantly clear how wrong that <laughs> is. And, um, this, my level of concern for the, orphan and the um I mean I think most of us are kind of concerned with orphans like it's hard to not be generous and loving towards a child but um but for the poor among us for the foreigner among us um how much my views have shifted Mm. with that and my care and concern for um these groups of people that um whether implicitly or explicitly I was taught to just well, sure, we give some money towards that or whatever, but then they, they need to help themselves or things. And um, I just no longer believe that. Mm. 
I mean, I think scripture to me has become so clear that it is, it is our responsibility to care for, for everyone. Mm-hmm. And that may not necessarily mean, you know, bringing people into your home or, you know, however that ends up looking, but it does mean having a concern and an effort and for me impacts the way I vote and how I spend my money and how I treat those around me, um, how I talk about those around me or how I talk about others um, has shifted dramatically. Mm. So the, the practice of how um, I live my life, I'm trying to get that to where it matches my belief system a little mm. bit better. Um, I had a professor in my uh, grad program that talked about orthopraxy and orthodoxy mm-hmm. and how we tend to be very concerned about orthodoxy, um, which means right belief or right thought. Um, there's this litmus test of, are you a real Christian? Well, you have to believe all the right things, but we're very unconcerned with orthopraxy. Right. Um, beyond following a list of maybe purity laws or things like that, or the things that you don't do, but we're not very concerned about how you love the poor and how you treat your neighbor. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think those parts of orthopraxy are more important um, than what we tend to concern ourselves with. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. You? Yeah, I think the fact that it bleeds into life is where it, um, that was a, <clears throat> that was a beautiful answer. Thank you. Yeah. I think, uh, for me, I would probably echo what you, you're saying in just more general, general way and just saying it, it, it changes how your everyday life, you know, works out. Like the idea of like what you're, um, how you walk in this world. It's not talking about your gait and your stride and how your feet land on the earth. It's talking about how your feet land on the earth, right? It's talking about like how you, how you are, where you are with the people that you are with. And for me, it, it's been moving me. No, it'll be no, probably no surprise in, you know, based on this conversation, but it's been talking, I've been hearing a lot about presence and what does it mean to be people that are present to their life and present to what's actually happening around them. And, and the, 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 when I'm reading the stories in scripture, when we're having conversations like this, like Ruth and Boaz, what I'm drawn to see, uh, especially right now is how they're all so deeply aware and present to each other. And where I'm, my heart's broken are the spots where maybe they miss, they miss each other. Like I think a couple weeks ago when we talked about, Naomi saying, you know, the Lord sent me away full and I've returned empty. Yeah. Um, you know, my response to that is that it, um, imagining that Naomi has missed out that what the great gift that Ruth has, has given her, mm-hmm. which may or may not be true. Um, but that's, you know, like it sounds like someone who's not present and that breaks my heart and it breaks my heart because I know what it's been like for me to live, um, in that and on both sides of it, of mm-hmm. being unattended and being, um, yeah. and being inattended, inattentive. So that's how this stuff is landing for me. And, um, anyhow. Yeah. Yeah. Is that it? I don't know. Might, that might be a good place to, to wrap up for today. Yeah. 
I don't know. Yeah, I think so. So next time we're going to start at, what, like 13 or so? Yeah. Perfect. I know exactly where. I know my first. You already know where you want to go. Oh, gosh. Yeah. 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 All right. Well. Goodbye. I keep waiting for you to say toodles. It's not going to happen ever, is it? It's not.